This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, December 7, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up, though? Hey, it is. We are in the throes of the holiday season. I'm December 7th. We're only a couple weeks left before Christmas. That's exciting. Uh, and the big news in our world is uh, Bagel Bites is arguing with Jesse on the internet. That's fun. Yeah. You know, okay. I'm going to catch people up here. Yeah, please um, do. Please do. Because, you know, prior to Thanksgiving, I, you know, my cul-de-sac had a little block party and everyone really went all out, and I didn't have time, so I fired up the bagel bites. And guess what? <laughs> they were the first off the board when it came. You know, everyone's fancy little pastries and crock pots full of different stews and and things, all sitting there. Every one of those bagel bites is gone, and I said. That should show us that we should incorporate them into our Thanksgiving celebration because who doesn't like a bagel bite, right? Right. And we had a listener, Laura Faust, say, enjoying our pizza bagel bites during our Thanksgiving meal. And I'll say this. She blurred out the, the faces of the people at the table with her. But this looked like a proper Thanksgiving meal. This is how you knew this was not just something she threw together, okay? any She has ornamental napkins on the table, clearly visible in the picture, that have like a corner copia and the word thankful if there are decorative napkins involved in a in a meal that's a proper meal right there someone <laughs> someone bought napkins just for that they say thankful on we got cornucopias okay <laughs> the only thing about those napkins this is a side note they really just got to smear the mess around don't they yeah. like some of those they're not very good the printing makes them ineffective as a napkin yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean you're just taking the mashed potato that <laughs> is on your lips and just smearing it to the rest <laughs> of your face yeah, okay. they're, like, they're kind of plasticky they're kind yeah. of like this is a fabric. It's not really it's not, a napkin. Yeah. It's more of a squeegee situation yeah. when you have the decorative napkins. I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. They just yeah. make a bigger mess. But either way, it's that you could tell a lot of time went into this meal. And in the middle of the table, along with the decorative napkins, it looks like uh, you know a caprese salad. There are candles in play. I mean, this is a real deal. She, uh, there are. There's a big plate right in the middle of the table, pizza bagel bites. And she said, enjoying them with the Thanksgiving meal. Bagel bites popped into the convo, uninvited, untagged. It's about time, Bagel Bites. We've been dangling this out here forever. We know you're following us. We know you're following the mentions now. Now you want to jump in and take some credit. And they say, better than cranberry sauce, which was the construct of our entire argument from day one. Like, if Pizza Bites go on, cranberry sauce comes off. We said that weeks ago. Now they're just claiming to, 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 you know. So I, I responded, hoping that they would get my hint here. I said, a low bar, but when you're right, you're right. And I wasn't referring to you, Bagel Bite. I was referring to us on this podcast. We were right. And you stole it. And they just said, hmm, good point. Bagel Bites, listen, you either acknowledge that we gifted you a fantastic marketing campaign for next year and compensate us duly with lifetime (laughs) supplies of your product or else just butt out. (laughs) Butt out. Find another podcast to to steal ideas from. That's what I want to say. They still in the swag, Jesse? Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. They still in the moves? Swagger jacking. Swagger jacking. I'll be honest. Last night I was I was here at the house by myself, and I was just like scrounging around. I was looking through the freezer, just trying to make something. And and there's this big old Costco box of bagel bites because I have a kid, you know. And and I and I pulled it out and I opened it, and there's a whole big tray of like 24 bagel bites. And I looked at it and I thought this could be dinner. And I I can't do this. I can't do this. And so I put it back. I put it back, and I made myself a proper dinner. I almost ate twenty four bagel bites for, as my meal. You last have to night. eat them all. You have to cook them all. Yeah, I can't. I can't yeah. cook four. I, you got to cook the the whole tray mm-hmm. that Costco provided. Costco so size. Yeah. I thought this is too much. I can't go this low. I can't be that guy that <laughs> eats a meal of bagel bites. So twenty four anyway. bagel bites is in a lot of like you know books where it's like when is it time. 
When is rock bottom for someone? Yeah, that's what I literally <laughs> was contemplating. Bagel like, and I've been like, I've been doing good the last <laughs> week or so. I've been healthier, been active and whatever. And I thought I can't, I can't derail my life like this. It's, I, it's I just can't. The, I can't it's go the there. Rule of 20, it's called the rule of 24 in a lot of circles. <laughs> if a loved one you know has consumed 24 bagel bites in a 24 hour period, uh, it's time to, it's time to say something. It's time yeah. to, you know. Costco See messed it up because if you just get the, the tray at like the normal supermarket, it's like eight, you know, it's like, okay, you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're a horrible human being, but Costco <laughs> size tray is 24 and that's the option. And, right. and once you've broken the seal, you, you got to do make all a confession. It. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had a bagel bite in my life. <gasps> wow. Derek, 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 Derek. Let me ask this. Have you eaten a bagel? Yes. <laughs> I love the experience. Have you eaten pizza? Have you had pizza? <laughs> yes. Shrink them both, and I'll imagine it. <laughs> I'm gonna go buy some bagel bites today. I don't you even should. Your kid, like your boy would love them. What y'all are talking about? Them. It's See, growing blowing. up, my mom didn't buy none of that stuff. She went like you know. I used to be so. I used to be so mad, or not mad, but envious, watching like the little kids. We had Lunchables and. <laughs> <laughs> Uncrustables and all that stuff. That's my, mom my kids. They don't get that stuff either. The same thing over What's and it? over again. It was peanut butter sandwich or a ham sandwich with uh-huh. cheese. That, that you know was what? It. That was we were talking about. Made it things. for you. That's we nice. were talking about this in staff. No, no, no. The other day. I, no, that it was me. She oh, got you the supplies. Made it. Okay, and we, yeah, but it's we like did. it's like uh, the parents don't realize the low grade trauma that they gave their children when they would buy like generic cereals. You wanted Frosted Flakes and you got like the great value version of it. You know what I mean? It's just not the same. Like you feel like you're missing out. Like Derek feel like, why oh, can't I have Lunchables like the other kids or whatever? It's like they don't realize that as adults, we still think about that. I buy name brand toothpaste because growing up, I never once had name brand toothpaste. Oh. My mom always got the generic brand and I just wanted to experience what it was like to have the fancy toothpaste. And I still think about this. Listen, wow. in, in elementary school, if you had a Lunchable, you might as well have had a Lamborghini. Like, <laughs> just <laughs> saying. Parents don't realize. I've never bought Lunchables for my kids. Hey, hey look, but here's the other thing, too, is like, it didn't help when we were growing up. This was like before Costco and all that, where they would just put the generic ones on the bottom shelf. Uh-huh. It didn't help. Yeah. They put them in a dog food bag. It's <laughs> like, hey, right. you can have a normal cereal out of a cereal box, or you can get on your knees and pick up that dog, dog food, food bag, bag of fake Apple Jacks and wheel that around all day. Like, that's literally how undignified it was. You know what I I think though, I think the moms who buy the generic cereal, I think they're the same moms that are in this big new trend where you put everything into the clear plastic containers to organize your pantry. They go and put the generic cereal in there before the kids know, and it looks like Apple Jacks, and they're like pulling one over on their kids, and it's all under the guise of Maria Kondo organizing and all that stuff, but really it's just being cheap. Hey, pro tip, pro tip. Pro tip here, okay? Because there's nothing wrong with gutting costs on, no. on generic Cheerios. No, it's not. Okay? Cheerios are Cheerios. Here's what you do. You buy a regular box of Cheerios, okay? <laughs> you buy the dog food bag of the fake ones, and you mix them in for the Tupperware. So they get enough real ones in every oh, bite, yeah. just enough to be like, I think this is real. Mm-hmm. I think I just got a weird batch or something. <laughs> and no one knows that you've been buying the big dog food bags from Costco and mixing it in. That's so like a bartender a, you know, diluting the liquor with yeah. water. And, you know. Yeah. 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 This yeah. is like a drug dealer move, cutting cutting the cocaine with like, This might be a little too poor for y'all, but um, did y'all ever eat King Vitamin? Yes. Uh-uh. No, uh, I don't know what that is. King Vitamin was Captain Crunch, but yep. no sugar, pretty much. That one was just just crunchy rice puffs. And yeah. that one, it cut the roof of your mouth. You got to put peroxide <laughs> in your mouth. How do you get to eat this so you don't get an ulcer in there? It's, it's like, did I did I have a really hot slice of pizza the other day, or did, would I have? Did I take a, accidentally take a bite of King Vitamin because I'm the roof of my you. mouth is horrifically injured? It's like I'm hurting, y'all. I th- I heard I heard in therapy that like uh, when you the person you marry or what you want in marriage is like you're trying to have the thing you never had as a child or something okay. like mm. if you crave some you know like there's a void that you're trying to fill with the the spouse that you're mm-hmm. choosing okay, and I feel okay. the same way with this like I buy name brand cereal and name brand toothpaste and do all the things my mom never did growing up because I don't know why it affected me so much but like I, I hated the fact that we always had generic 
generic food around the house. I don't know why. And now I waste money. My mom would be like, listen, look at the ingredients. It's the exact same as the crest. Look at the <laughs> yeah. ingredients. You're just paying for their advertising. And I'm like, yeah. I like their advertising. I would like to support their advertising. And then the, and then the mom's the like, same. you don't have to be like every kid. We're different. Same. Like we yeah. can do our own thing. Yeah. Rise See, above. I don't I'm even telling care. you not. No frosted flake alternatives. As soon as they hit the milk, they turn into ash. Yeah. Like, as soon as they hit the milk, like it, it's not even like you know frosted flakes going to at least give you a good, good three yeah. four minutes. You're paying right. for the R and D to perfect the flake. You know what I'm saying? That's why it costs more, mom. Soon as them frosty O's hit the the milk, them joints is it's over with. It's ash. They're done. There's there's nothing else. I stopped caring when I was just got out on my own for the first. Time and I was making my own purchasing decision. I'd wheel through the Walmart, you know, I'd, after I pay, and they'd be like, Hey, do you need someone from the garden department to load up that bag of mulch? I'm like, No, no, that's uh, those are fake cocoa puffs, but yes, I will have someone help load them for me because I bought four bags. <laughs> fake cocoa puffs. All right, well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to Philip Yancey. Now, this is an amazing conversation. Uh, you don't want to miss it. It's he talks to us about how to leave toxic religion but not Christianity. It's a process that he went through in his own life and he opens up about it. And uh, you don't want to miss this conversation with Philip Yancey coming up. Also, we got slices. And at the end of the show, we have a very special game. It's called Cage Match. And it's about, yes, Nicolas Cage. You don't want to miss it. All right, but before we toss the slices, don't forget to check out the all new relevantstore.com to see our new annual print edition. It is available for sale right now. You can go check it out. Uh, actually, we're running a good pre-sale sale on it if you want to get the best price available. Go check it out and order it right now. Also, make sure to check out Relevant Store every Friday. We are posting new products, fan gear, sweatshirts, statement tees, a lot of great stuff going on over relevantstore.com. Check it out. Okay, stay tuned. Up next is Slices. Let's go. Parties in the hills. That was overkill. I need Jesus in my life. Depression on my hill. Daddy never cared. He was never there. Got me running to these ladies with designer hair. In the party, I saw Offset and Cardi. He said I was praying for him. They said thank you when he parted. Heard around the city, goofy footed, feeling gnarly. Listen to Exodus track number nine, Bob Marley. God told me through the scriptures I was reading to serve all of these people in the system because they need it. So when you hear me speaking, I'm You're listening to Lecrae and 1K Few. The song is One Call. That's a jam. Love it. Well, today's show is brought to you by UHSM. Healthcare costs have been growing year after year and can lead to a lot of confusion. Thankfully, UHSM, one of today's podcast sponsors, offers great and affordable health for everyone. Unite Health Share Ministries, or UHSM, is a Christian health sharing ministry that puts your health before anything else. Health sharing isn't insurance. The programs at UHSM are member-based fellowships where faithful people can take charge of their own health care. UHSM offers different programs to meet any and all of your needs, from telehealth options to plans that cover the unexpected moments in life. UHSM has something for everyone. For more information, head over to UHSM.org or contact a representative at 800 900 8476. Again, find out more at uhsm.org or contact the rep at 800-900-8476. Okay, it's time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Jesse? All right, so uh, I have a story, and Derek, you're an artist. I'm, I'm particularly interested to hear your perspective on this story. Um, Justin Bieber, uh, a pop star known around the world, was recently invited to perform at the Saudi Arabian Formula One Grand Prix. Uh, obviously, that is held, a big event held in Saudi Arabia. It's a very big deal. And just like most things in that country, it's, uh, you know, kind of funded and supported by the, you know, kind of royal family and kind of uh, oil oligarchs in that country. Mm-hmm. Now, it's caused a lot of uh, controversy. Because Saudi Arabia has a really terrible human rights record um, and kind of the leader of the charge of, of, of people trying to get Justin Bieber to back out of this is a woman named uh, Haitis Sengiz, uh, who is the fiance of uh, Jamal Khashoggi, who was a journalist uh, that was murdered um, that, you know, that all oh, intelligence yeah. points yeah. to was likely murdered at the command of one of, of, of a one of a member of the Saudi royal family. Now, mm-hmm. that is just the tip of the iceberg. And I'm not I'm not trying to diminish 
the injustice and the, the horrible nature of that murder. But, you know, Saudi Arabia is known for widespread human rights violations. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot okay. of people, including the fiance of, of Jamal Khashoggi, are encouraging Justin Bieber to cancel this appearance as sort of a way of defying uh, the, you know, the Saudi government and making a stand. Now, on the other side of the coin are people who see this as an opportunity to kind of slowly westernize, uh, you know, the ideology of the, the Saudi government. And hopefully, you know, a lot of people see it as if they can eventually kind of inviting more and more sort of celebrities and kind of uh, cultural hallmarks <clears throat> from the West. That'll be the first way that value systems will start to change. You know, we've seen this throughout okay. history. It's often the introduction of new culture that is the catalyst for social change right okay. and so um i want to read a really interesting quote from the this was from um the a professor named simon chadwick who's a sports industry expert from uh elam business school um and this ran in a in the from a report in the afp news agency but he said this it might just seem like justin bieber and an audience of people gathering to hear him sing but the reality is that some of the complex issues underpinning much of what is happening in saudi arabia this week including who sings there and who uh, uh, who drives there in the contest. Um, you know, just the fact that he's been invited could be a sign that the, you know, kind of Saudi government is changing their tune when it comes to sort of their uh, strict crackdown on culture. Um, now, the interesting thing, and this is sort of an unrelated, this, the next story is sort of unrelated, but it brings in another interesting point, is what happened with Inez Cantor for the Boston Celtics uh, this oh, week. He yeah. is uh, an NBA star. Uh, player canter freedom yeah who, who is from mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, originally from turkey he he became an american citizen this uh this week and added the the, the change his name to inez canter freedom as, as cameron has mentioned now inez canter is a a vocal and outspoken critic of the cpc the the chinese uh um, communist or the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and um, uh, and their human rights violations. Um, he's also been a vocal critic of athletes and and, and former and, and colleagues like LeBron James, who is a, a representative of a company uh, of Nike and a lot of other companies that do a lot of business in China. Uh, who you know, Inez Cantor, who has faced direct persecution from the Turkish government for speaking out. You know, he can't even go back to Turkey right now because. Er Erdogan, the dictator of Turkey, has it has is trying to arrest and 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 persecute him personally. Um, you know, uh, Nez Kanter Freedom is pointing out to hypocrisy that you know, uh, in his perspective, a lot LeBron James will speak out around certain human rights issues, but ones that hit too close to his pocketbook, like ones that could interfere with his relationship with China and Nike, he is silent on. So both of these stories are not directly related. I think uh, really bring up some interesting questions about. About what role celebrities should have, uh, especially when it involves directly affecting their livelihoods, when it comes to um, not jeopardizing their ability to influence people. Obviously, if you start canceling uh, endorsements and concerts, you're going to wane. Your influence is going to wane. But at the same time, how can you affect most positively affect change without actively endorsing injustice? It's a lot of interesting questions, Derek. When it comes to the Bieber issue of him performing at this event in Saudi Arabia. You know, what responsibility do you think he has an artist to either go forth with it and kind of use it as a way to kind of slowly bring Western values to a country like that or to pull out so that it doesn't look like some sort of implicit endorsement of the people paying him? I mean, Justin Bieber is extremely popular. And I may be sleeping a little bit on uh, his influence, but I just do not see Justin Bieber bringing Western values to Saudi Arabia. Uh, I just don't see it. Like, this is a cut. Like, I, I'm like, I don't know why we're expecting, like, a pop star to save Saudi Arabia. Like, maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'm sleep on that, but I think that we put a little too much pressure on celebrities to be more than entertainers. Like there's a level of, OK, let's be conscious about, hey, what do we do? What uh, you know, who do we align ourselves with? You know what matters? But if you can find me a country that doesn't have blood on our hands, that shouldn't be canceled because of warmongering rich men, you can find me one that that 
you know, hey, I'm with it. Because, I mean, if that's the case, you know, and, and I'm probably going to get some flack for this. But, yeah, besides Sweden, I, I <laughs> Denmark, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? You, yeah. you can't do any shows. and We can't do any shows. We definitely can't do any shows in the rural south. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Right. That's you true. can't do any you can't do any shows in California. That was Mexico, Texas, Texas off the map. Like where like where are we gonna go that that you're not gonna have things of that nature? So for me, I'm like, I don't know. I just he's a he's a singer, man. Go over there, sing, do do your job and come home. You know what I mean? Um and, and I I'm very sympathetic to the fiance of the of the journalist who like I said, like like you said, all all evidence is pointing that Saudi Arabia, like they they assassinated him. But I, the thing is, I wonder how many people the United States have assassinated. I mean, just like, ca- ca- casualties from drone strikes that like you, we intentionally are taking civilian lives, you know, what because I mean? of other, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for like, I, I guess what I'm saying is what what we're asking for of Bieber. Is above his pay above grade. His pay grade. Like that's not. Yeah. He's a he's a singer. You know. He's he's that's what he does. You know what I'm saying. Mm. So I mean, you know, obviously, yeah. It's a, it's a tough situation because then on the other side, you know, on the other side, you could say, yo, you never know what, you know, him turning the bag down could change. But I just think this. I think people are passionate about what they're passionate about. You know, I'm passionate about racial justice. Why am I passionate about it? Because it directly affects me. Like. Most people are going to be most passionate about things that directly affect them, that they have, you know, they, they can see and touch tangibly that they're that they will consider themselves experts in. Right. Either by experience or study. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think for me, I probably would. I probably would still do the show. Honestly. All right. What do you have, Jamie? Okay, I have something a, a tad bit different than than that. So the weekend after Thanksgiving was one of my favorite football weekends ever. It was just like why, why rivalry weekend. Oh yeah, yeah, it was just such good games. And yeah. Texas got a win. So the last and all those game shocking coaching changes, crazy. Oh, it was just really great. But yeah. um, I don't know if you watch the Michigan Ohio State game. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a dog in that fight at all. But I've always liked the Michigan coach, and I really wanted him to get a win, and he did. And so I was happy for him. If if you're an Ohio State fan, you're hating this. If you're a Michigan fan, you're happy. But anyhow, the cool thing you know what, is that we don't care because we don't like Ohio State fans. So that's all right. There we Sheesh. go. Like as a brand, Sheesh. as a brand, <laughs> relevant media group does not care about Ohio State fans. So say what you got to say, Jamie. But do you Sheesh. care about Michigan fans? Of course. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we what's wrong with Ohio State? Uh, I just don't like Ohio State. They're oh, you the just worst don't like people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm from Michigan, so I'm... I'm I, I loved Michigan way back in the day. I remember the Fab Five um, when we were watching them play. Uh, That's yeah. I loved. Chris yeah. Weber, Jalen Rose, that whole crew. Okay, so Jim Harbaugh, I like him as a coach. Uh, some people have their own opinions. Anyhow, this is really cool what he did. He announced um, a couple weeks ago now from when this is airing that he's going to give all of his bonuses from the 2021 season to those on the Michigan athletic staff. So that's not just football, but anyone. Like any, if they're taking tickets, if they work as a softball coach, whatever. Because a lot of them had to take pay cups pay cuts after 2020 and he's going to donate all of his bonuses to anyone whose pay was reduced during the pandemic now only answer if you haven't seen this story does anyone know what he could potentially get for bonuses this year i have no idea i'm sure it's in the seven figures yeah for sure it, if not he eight, could yeah. he could potentially get bonuses up to 3.475 million good gracious <laughs> that, that probably includes him you know winning a lot of extra games. They have the championship coming up. So anyhow, he's going to donate all of that. And I love that story because he makes a lot of money on his own. And those bonuses are in his contract. That is not new to him. He knew those bonuses that he could potentially get. And he said, I'm going to give back to the people who I work with who have had pay cuts because of the pandemic. Um, him and his wife decided that. So way to go, very Coach cool. Michigan That's Wolverines. Very, very cool. Yeah, and I, I love Jim. Jim Harbaugh reminds me of Pete Carroll. Just uh, seems like a real nice guy. I, I mm. like him and I don't know him, but I like him. Uh, there was a documentary doing the behind the scenes, kind of like Hard Knocks, but for the University of Michigan football last year. I think it's on Amazon. It's worth watching. It's really great. Okay. And, and quick shout out. Steve Carter was on TV in that game. Steve Carter, big Michigan fan, friend of the show, uh, former Relevant Sports Pod uh-huh. uh, co-host, made it on TV at the Michigan game, uh, representing. Good job, Steve. Was he was Go he Steve. the guy who was streaking across the field? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah, he's in prison right now, but uh, it was cool. It was cool <laughs> it was to see him doing well. It's cool, it's cool to see, to see his backside uh, blurred out <laughs> across the street. All right. What do you have, Derek? So, uh, let me ask you a question. <laughs> this is a little bit different. We done went from heavy to now we going to like, you know, warm and fuzzy. Now we're going to go to ratchet. Um, in San Diego, <laughs> in San Diego, it was pandemonium when a bunch of money was dropped all over the freeway. <laughs> Say what? Uh, yes, there was a truck. There was a, it looks like there was an armored car that spilled loads of cash on the freeway and everybody got out of their cars and yeah, they, they did, did exactly what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> Pick was it up and sco- give it back? Scoop it. No, scooping <laughs> bags up. Don't nobody know. Look, don't nobody got to know nothing, man. Don't nobody got to know nothing. Did hey, they look. just like get away with it? I mean, is that like... What happened? All right. So California Highway Patrol Sergeant Curtis Martin said the truck had departed from San Diego and was en route to the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp. It did not indicate how much money was spilled on the freeway. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, here it is. It's just gone. So the frenzy began at 9 a.m. Martin also said that CHP was working with the FBI in the effort to retrieve the money that was illegally taken from the highway. I s- highly suggest to anyone that picked up cash, it's not your cash, so turn it in immediately. Listen, I'm not advocating you for people in? to steal. I'm, first of all, I keep a ski mask in my trunk for a situation <laughs> just like this. So I probably would have never been caught. But if your face is on camera with the wads of cash throwing it in the air. But what camera you, is in the middle you, of the highway? There's well, no maybe camera. Like a, were filming. People were filming. Highway. They're like, oh, yeah. people were filming yeah. themselves with the cash. You know what I'm saying? That's so how people get caught like, putting it that's on how you get social caught. media. For me, that's I like after January 6th, they pieced together yes. all the social media yeah. posts to go get everybody. Um, yeah, you don't want to be like the guy in Houston. There's a guy in Houston. Don't tell He's, nobody you picked up the money. Right, exactly. Yeah. There's a guy in Houston. He uh, is getting nine years because he got over $1.6 million in PPP loans. And it's it's just like, you know, honestly, you know, I'm cracking cracking jokes with y'all, but look, man, hey, you might want to just put some money in the stock market rather than play with the federal government because it's just, it's just, they're going to get you. One thing about Uncle Sam is he at your neck. He's going to get you. Like, this this one seems is. like a pretty cut and dry finder's keeper situation. We've all been conditioned too long of how cool it would be of money just flying out of the back <laughs> right. of a truck on a highway. Exactly. I've seen it too many times. Even if I like just for the sport of it, I feel like this is a finder keeper situation because we've all been conditioned that that is just an awesome thing that happens from time to time. And what you do is you pull off and you just go crazy with everyone else scooping it up. It's simple as that. <laughs> In my opinion, All right. All right. it's a Christmas right. blessing. <laughs> that is not the official opinion of Roller Magazine. <laughs> it's a, it's a stimulus <laughs> check. To me, they just got another stimulus check. So. All right. <laughs> Stay, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Philip Yancey joins us. You're listening to Kid Bloom. The song is Like I Never Left. Well, today's podcast is also brought to you by the Lumo Project. Lumo is a visual Bible project that helps you see the gospel through a brand new lens. If you've ever wondered if the gospel has talked about the big questions we face in life today, things like fear, anger, worry, relationships, well, the answer is yes. They're all in there. And with Lumo, you can experience Jesus's teachings and story in a compelling, cinematic, beautiful, visual way. Check out Lumo's free scripture videos by searching The Lumo Project over at YouTube and for other free resources, including some amazing new small group studies and a lot more. Check out thelumoproject.com. That's thelumoproject, L-U-M-O dot com. Well, Philip Yancey joins us today. He is a spiritual author who has written books like The Jesus I Never Knew and What's So Amazing About Grace. Years ago, uh, he went through a difficult and toxic Christian environment. He walked away from that influence while keeping his faith intact. Now he wants to share that lesson with others. Philip sat down with us to discuss how Christians can maintain their faith in God while navigating difficulties in life. Here's our conversation with author Philip Yancey. 
said that you truly believe this is the one book you were put on earth to write. I was wondering if you could unpack that a little bit about why why you feel that way about this book. I was raised in a church environment that is not healthy and it gave me a lot of reasons to disbelieve. And it, it happened at a time in America when in a sense that kind of evangelical slash fundamentalist was almost a majority, certainly among white people and in the black church in a different way. And it did some very good things. It was an explosive period for the church after World War II. So many evangelical type organizations started and were thriving. Camps, Bible colleges, Christian colleges, uh, publishing companies, you know, they, they all just exploded after 1950 or so. And I was right in the middle of that with the added overlay of the Southern subculture, which involved race and other issues. And along the way, I felt like I had tasted some of the worst that the church has to offer and some of the best. And I wanted to capture that subculture. It was a moment of time that we'll probably look back on with some historical perspective. But when you're in the middle of it, you don't have perspective. You just live it. You record it. It was both cursed and blessed with an extreme upbringing, both in family and in church, and, and did suspend my appreciation of that for a time and suspended my faith for a time. I wanted to capture that. And I, I later came to see that that even those things that were difficult for me at the time were a gift. It was it was an opportunity, a gift to to try to find a redemptive thread that may help other people. touch on this a lot and uh, it's something that we at Relevant hear so much uh, that that I think is very becoming even more so maybe easier to talk about in our culture about uh, I was raised Christian it was not good for me um, I had a bad experience with it and now I don't know how to hold on to it. Obviously the word deconstruction has become very very popular and sometimes people start deconstructing and eventually there's there's nothing left. So the question that that I get a lot, that we at Relevant get a lot, that I'm sure you've gotten many times over your career is oh, uh, why did you stay? Like like what is it about the experience of faith that made you stay when there were so many things about it that were obviously so painful for you? Okay, I tell the story in the book that I did have a dramatic conversion experience that I wasn't seeking and almost resented at the time. (laughs) Where did this come from? Um, And what happened after that is I got to know a very different God than I was taught growing up. The God I was taught growing up was this scowling policeman just looking for people he could squash. And there was just an umbrella of fear that I lived under. And I didn't really experience much joy. Most things that were fun were were contraband in this church. Uh-huh. You know, we yeah. couldn't go bowling, we couldn't go skating, yeah. all these different things. Mixed swimming was questionable. So I was able to separate out the accretions that were put on the truth. And the title of the book, Where the Light Fell, comes from a quote by St. Augustine, who said, I couldn't look at the sun directly, but I could look on the places where the light fell. And that is, I mean, that's my story. The reason I couldn't look at the sun directly, because I was scorched by that sun. I had been, I had been churched up to here. Um, there is no way a Billy Graham tract or somebody speaking at a revival service could get to me. I'd heard it all. I had done it myself, and I just didn't believe in it anymore and eventually came to the place where where I wanted to look at where the light came from. <laughs> I saw where the light fell. Where did it come from? I often quote this uh, quotation that's attributed to G.K. Chesterton, that the worst moment for an atheist is when he feels a deep sense of gratitude and has no one to thank. (laughs) And for the first time, I I did have a sense of gratitude about the goodness of the world. I was discovering the goodness of the world. I had had a good dose of the badness of the world. 
but now the goodness, where did that come from? And you asked the question, why, why did you stay? I've heard there are as many as 25 to 30 million ex-evangelicals out there. I'm sure there are a bunch who subscribe to Relevant. And, and the ones I talk to, and, and maybe most of them, still have kind of a nostalgia, a whimsy. The, the one thing about evangelicalism is that it, it promises a connection with the creator of the universe, and it promises that our decisions matter, that our life has meaning, and that our choices matter, and that we're free, and, that, and there is a path to forgiveness when we screw up. These are good words that we want to be true, and I believe they are true, but what often happens is that something else gets in the way, maybe mm -hmm. that anti-science, anti-gay, whatever, or the self-righteousness, you know, or the, the bad churches, or the ungraceful way churches treat, say, divorced people or gay people or whatever. You know, it's really no different than when Jesus was here. That's what he was dealing with. The church, in those days, the synagogue, was his biggest problem. <laughs> the people who really had needs, the people who needed God, uh, recognized instantly in Jesus, this is the living water, you know, this is what I need. And I, in those days, would have, would have been with them. I would have been circling around, who does mm -hmm. this guy think he is? And um, he just didn't fit the system. He, he's upsetting. And he was upsetting. He changed everything. Uh, something that you write about a lot in this book and, and have written about a lot over the course of your career is that uh, looking back on the difficult times of your life and seeing and feeling gratitude for those and, and seeing how God has used those. Many people obviously have been through very difficult things. When they look back, all they feel is hurt. and They don't see how God can use that for their benefit, for his glory, for anything like that. What would your word of encouragement encouragement or, or I guess what would your word in general be to those people who are who hear what you're saying and they're and all they can say is that's just not my experience with pain well I keep going back to that word redemptive it, it is the, the key to our faith and the Apostle Paul was so clear about that in in Romans 8 especially because he said a, a verse is often misunderstood this verse about all things can be used by God for those who love God, for your benefit. And some people, television evangelists, imply that it says only good things will happen to you. No, he doesn't say that. In the same chapter, later on, he describes the things in his life, which included beatings and imprisonment and torture and shipwreck and snakebite and all those other things. And yet Paul, later in his life, was able to look back and say, I can see how all those things actually contributed. It takes time and there are still scars. I look back on uh, my life and it took me a long time to overcome some of the, the bumps that I went through early on. But in the process of writing this memoir, I, I really came to the place where I, I didn't regret a single thing that happened. Okay. It, it all happened to form the person I am. And some of the things that were most painful made me compassionate and sensitive to other people, which I probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. It's, it's not like the memory and, and the consequences are completely removed, but they can be used. I, I think that is the Christian story. Here, the worst thing that could possibly happen in the history of the world, the murder of, of God's incarnate son, is the day we call Good Friday. Not Dark Friday, Terrible Friday, Tragic Friday, because the pattern we have is that terrible thing, and then the one day, Saturday, of waiting to see what possible good could come out of it, and then the triumph of Easter. And Paul, again and again, uses that as, as the model, the template for the evil and the bad things that can happen on earth. Somehow, they can be used. That was Philip Yancey. You can find more of that conversation in the fall digital issue of Relevance over at relevantmagazine.com. And it's available for free. Just click the magazine tab and it's a presented ad free, actually, by our friends at UHSM. Okay, stay tuned. Up next, it's our game, Cage Match. Cage Match.
Listening to Muramasa. The song is Together. Okay, it's time for Cage Match. Cage Match. Oh gosh. Earlier this week, it was announced that National Treasure Nicholas Cage has finally embraced his true calling and will play Dracula in Rhinefield, the upcoming latest spin on Bram Stoker's iconic undead bloodsucker. It's just another day in the life of Nick Cage, who never met a role he couldn't suck the light life out of to power oh, his own gosh. gothic vision. <laughs> the man is nearly immortal himself, having lived so many lives that the line between fiction and reality is as intangible as a shadow. Nicholas Cage roles aren't performances. They exist in a liminal space between what is and what might be. And in that churning drama, lies become truths and life itself becomes the act. In this game, each contestant will be given two Nicolas Cage stories. One of the things actually happened to Nicolas Cage. The other happened to a character he played in a movie. If you correctly yeah. guess which is which, you will get a point. Um, all right, so here Didn't we Jesse go. Didn't Jesse watch Nicolas Cage movies for like seven days straight or something? Oh, yeah. I joined her. 24 cage. straight yeah. hours of Nicolas Cage oh. movies to raise money for charity water. It was the most painful experience of my young life. <laughs> all right, here we go. Jesse, you're up first. You're the expert. No, Con Here's Air, man. the first this story. Nicolas Cage wakes up in the middle of the night next to his sleeping wife only to discover a strange man at the foot of his bed, naked except for one of Cage's coats, eating a popsicle. Or, oh Nicholas Cage goes big game hunting with locals in Brazil, where he tranquilizes a rare albino jaguar, but had to carry it back to his campsite by himself because everyone else was too superstitious to touch it. Which was a movie and which was a real story. I'm going to say, you know, the one with a naked man standing at the edge of his bed for reasons that are unclear just sounds like a Tuesday night in, in the life of Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I'm going to say that one's real. I'm going to say that. That is true. That truly happened to oh Nicholas Cage. That is that is true. You're correct. One point for Jesse Clark. All right, Jamie, you're I also up. Here want to we see go. that Jaguar movie because it sounds awesome. <laughs> it's Primal, the movie Primal from 2019. You can oh, watch it on okay. Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I heard of that yeah. movie. All right, here we go. Jamie, you're up. Nicholas Cage went to Pakistan uh, on an expedition to find Osama bin Laden, believing he had spiritual knowledge of where the 9-11 mastermind was hiding out. <laughs> That's one story. Or a struggling actor who feels he's lost touch with his talent, Nicholas Cage seeks out acting lessons from a mysterious octopus that legend holds is the wisest creature in the animal kingdom. Which is true, which is a movie. These are both the most outlandish things I've this ever heard. This is outrageous. And I can see Jesse laughing, so I feel like he knows which one it is. I, I, I'm laughing because I'm like, I, I've seen most of his catalog and I don't know which one. This could have been a scene in literally about half of his films, either of those scenarios. Okay, I, as weird as it is, think he might have gone to talk to an octopus. That is true. That is truly what he did. He went to seek acting lessons from a mysterious octopus in real life. Uh, the Man, Pakistan know one. I'm not going to get none of these, right? Is the movie Army of One from 2016. Army of One. I was one. just hoping he didn't go looking for Osama bin Laden. Nicholas Cage, Army One. Jesse, where was that in our in our in our? I don't know. Marathon? I feel like we. I feel like we need another 24 hours because there's some I'm gems saying, there's we so clearly many. missed. All right, here we go, Derek. You're up. Nicholas Cage gets in an altercation in a seedy New Orleans tattoo parlor that leads to him getting arrested and then bailed out by Dog the Bounty Hunter. Or <laughs> Nicholas Cage nearly agreed to stage a friend's kidnapping so that his friend could collect ransom money and pay off some big debts to bad people. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing. Uh, it's the what? <laughs> what really happened? Uh, I, I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to figure out like what I, I'll say. The second one really happened. 
The second one about the friends stage of friends kidnapping happened in the movie Arsenal in 2017. Uh, he really did get into an altercation in the seedy New Orleans New Orleans tattoo parlor and got arrested and bailed out by Dog the Bounty Hunter. That that's that <laughs> real life. <laughs> All right, Jesse, you're up. Here we go. Nicholas Cage and Charlie Sheen didn't think impersonating airline pilots during a flight uh, would cause too many problems, but a group of armed agents meets them on the runway when the plane lands and Cage has to think fast if he's going to talk his way out of jail. But that's not his only problem. Sheen has eight pounds of cocaine strapped to his body. (laughs) Or... Nicholas Cage is a big fan of boxing, so he wasn't fooled when he saw a fighter take a dive in Vegas and later convinced the boxer privately uh, to privately admit that he'd thrown the fight to pay off gambling debts. I believe this. Well, isn't the movie Snake Eyes? It takes place at a Vegas boxing match, but I feel like I would have heard both these sound, you know, shockingly plausible. Um, and I'm pretty sure one is the plot of a movie, but I feel like I would have heard about the cocaine. So I'm going to go with uh, the boxing match was real. The boxing match is the movie Snake Eyes from 1998. That's why I thought uh, it was Snake Eyes. The plane with eight pounds of cocaine was real. With Charlie Sheen having that strap to him, for real, bro. Charlie Shane had eight pounds of cocaine strapped to his body. And they were impersonating pilots? And caught, armed agents met them on the runway when the plane landed. No, yep. Charlie Shane did not have eight dumb. pounds of coke. Why is Charlie Shane not under the jail? I could give you an answer. Jamie, you're up. Here we go. Is it? Is it one? Everybody's got one point? No, I don't have any because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do good. Derek at this has one. none. Everybody else has right. one. So, Jamie, you can take the lead right I'm about here. to take here the lead go. right now. All right. Nicholas Cage was once drafted into a secret society of civilian vigilantes who take it upon themselves to solve crimes the government either can't or won't look into using the secret call sign, quote, the hungry rabbit jumps. Or Nicholas Cage is being stalked by a strange mime that can seemingly slip through walls, locked doors, and even hired security like Smoke, where it performs bizarre, unsettling routines for him that seem to carry some hidden meaning. Which is a movie and which is real? Neither sound real, but I think it's more likely that he was followed by a mime than someone invited him to deal with government secrets. That is true. He was stalked by a strange mime. Uh, that is a true story. The uh, the drafted into secret society of civilian vigilantes was the movie Seeking Justice from 2011. Okay. I've never heard of any of these movies. Jesse, are we I our marathon. <laughs> I was going to say, we got like three or four days ahead of us. <laughs> All right. Uh, Derek, here we go. When Nicolas Cage spies his pet cat, Lewis, eating hallucinogenic mushrooms out of the refrigerator, he takes it as a sign that he, too, should eat the mushrooms, and the two go on an epic trip together, during which they cease to be man and pet and become brothers. Or... Nicholas Cage decided to leave North Carolina with his then girlfriend and drive to California. But when he witnessed, but when he witnessed halfway there, he took it as an ill omen and decided the two should move to Texas instead. But he witnessed, but what he witnessed halfway there, I don't know. I, I think we're missing a word in that. Sorry, but you get the gist. Right, I he I, Nick Nick looks like he definitely on the shrooms for sure. <laughs> so we just gonna go with number one being the truth. That is true. He and his pet cat went on a trip together and ceased becoming man and pet and became brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that that makes sense for sure. Clark, where are we at score wise? Jesse one, Jamie two, Derek one. That's it, Jamie. Jamie, you're the winner of. Hey, Jamie, you won, but I think we all lost on that one. Um, I agree. Yeah. That, that was a lot for our brains. <laughs> Everyone's a lot. Cage. Like, you know how Will Smith just wrote that book that's like uh-huh. very personal and tells like a lot of like heavy stories? Yeah. I would read the the No Holds Barred Nicolas Cage m- memoir no right away. It day sure. came no out. I do have a tiebreaker no one question. here. In an epic quest to find the Holy Grail, Nicholas Cage acquires two castles believed to have connections to the Knights Templar, clues from which lead him to drink from the waters of the Chalice Well in Glastonbury, Scotland, where he discovers that the true Holy Grail is the Earth itself. 
That's true. That really happened in his life. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That sounds like that's for real. I don't even. Uh, yeah, that's oh my like gosh, man. This dude needs to write an autobiography yesterday. And like, then read it on Audible. I'd listen to him. <laughs> I would listen to him. Oh, if he read it on Audible, it'd be next level. Well, yeah. before we wrap it up, I want to thank Philip Yancey for joining us today. Make sure, make sure to check out our full conversation with him over in the fall digital issue of Relevant. It's available for free and ad-free next to UHSM. Just click the magazine tab at relevantmagazine.com. Also, while you're at the site, make sure to sign up for our daily newsletter. It's right there on the front page. It keeps you in the loop with uh, the best content we're putting out on the site. It's our top five articles sent to you every weekday morning. You can sign up right there at relevantmagazine.com. Also, uh, I mentioned relevantstore.com at the beginning of the show. Every Friday, we're uh, releasing new products at the store. There's great sales and you can get a pre-sale offer for our new annual print edition available now. Uh, and also, if you're a fan of the show, there's a lot of good podcast gear there you want to go check out. Relevantstore.com. And if you are a fan of the show, also not only get the gear, but head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. It helps other people find the show and helps the algorithm. And we love to see the feedback. If you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. But if you like the show, let people know and uh, leave a review over at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. On that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at RelevantMagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. It's not really a napkin. It's more of a squeegee situation. Relevant Podcast Network.